0: This episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast is brought to you by listeners like you who donated $1 a month through Craft Sanity's Patreon page. Learn more at CraftSanity.com. Hi, I'm Jennifer Ackerman-Haywood, and you're listening to the Craft Sanity Podcast, an interview show about art, craft, and creativity. This is episode 137, and I think you're going to like it, folks, because it's about one of my favorite things. Those who've listened to this show for a long time know I have a lot of favorite things. <laughs> but a couple years ago, I got really into printmaking. All this experimenting that I've been doing on my own has led me to seek out other people who know more than I do about this art form One day while I was trolling around on Instagram looking at different prints and printmakers' work, I happened across the Instagram account of Eric Hoffman from Spofford Press. Eric is based in Warwick, Rhode Island, where he has a studio dedicated to really cool printmaking. He's doing printmaking and also letterpress work. What really impressed me about Eric is that he'd post a photo and then people would post tons of questions they asked ask him about what kind of press he has, what kind of tools he uses, inks, techniques, all kinds of stuff. What was remarkable about it is that he was actually answering all these questions. And I thought, geez, this guy is, seems pretty nice. I asked him a question about his press. It turned out that he had purchased a press from a company in Michigan, Conrad Machine Company. I was looking to buy a press, so I put in my order So I could get the Conrad E15 etching press that is like Eric's. What happened after that is I thought, geez, I really need to interview this man for my podcast and tell his story. Because I really am grateful for the fact that he was kind enough to share some helpful tips with a stranger. It wasn't just me that he did this for. He does this for a lot of people. No matter what your discipline is, no matter what your dream is, there will be some takeaways from this story. Because it's kind of universal in some of the points in your life where you have to make a decision, you have to take a leap of faith. Eric has done those things. He is in the midst of building a business and I want to do what I can to support him and also just share the story that's actually very inspiring. And I will warn you ahead of time that I like to talk and so does Eric. This is a long interview. What I'm going to do is break it up into two parts. So there's going to be part one on this episode and I'm going to release part two at the end of the week. Settle in with a project, and we're going to start out hearing Eric talk about his press, this business that he's started out in Rhode Island. Let's get to it. So tell us a little bit about your press and this business you've started.
1: I started printmaking in college. My first printmaking class ever, touching anything that had to do with printmaking, was about 10 years ago. And it was in school. I remember the first class, like, not knowing anything about it whatsoever. I remember talking to the teacher who I had met in the drawing class. And being like, okay, so what's the original? And he'd be like, well, no, you know, you draw on a stone or you carve into a block and then you make prints from it. And i go, oh, okay. i go, so what do you do with, like, who gets the original, you know? And I, I had no <laughs> concept of what he was talking about. And right. so he was like, you know what? He's like, you're very good at drawing. You seem to pay attention well enough. Why don't you take the introductory class, you know? And uh, that kind of sealed my fate. It just completely quits for me and stuff. But I mean, over the last 10 years, I've basically been printing and and doing different things and stuff. And then about a year and a half or so ago was when I finally started up my press, like my officially started my business. So the name of my company is the Spofford Press.
0: How did you choose that name?
1: It's actually the name of the street. Oh, really? (laughs) Okay.
0: Okay. Is it in your home or is this a separate studio space?
1: Yeah, right now it's out of our home, and then we're looking to expand into uh, different studio space. Probably, uh, maybe not super soon, but soon enough, hopefully. Yeah, so. we,
0: you know, I've interviewed so many artists that, and some of them, if they can make it work, uh, there are plenty of people that I've interviewed who have a studio right in their home, or it's a lower level of their home, or the attic, or um, yeah, you know, some people have a, the like the, the like renovated. Um, mini house out in the back, you know, that, that exactly. that's like a dream. Yeah. <laughs> um, where did you actually go to art school?
1: I went to college at Rhode Island College, and I originally, I was going there for art education to be a teacher. When you do the art education program, like, besides taking the education classes where you're working towards, like, working with kids and, like, writing lesson plans and learning all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. they also have you take sort of one of every type of art. You can take one painting, one sculpture, you know, one ceramics, that kind of thing, just to kind of dabble in it. And then we want the art teacher students to take at least three classes in one of the subjects, kinda of like a mini concentration. I see. So I ended yeah, so I've always drawn and stuff. I've never really liked painting very much. I have a wonderful old professor that used to say that painting is basically just drawing with mayonnaise. It's just, it's just, it still cracks me up, and again, it's it's done a lot of my work. It's it's such detailed little lines and everything right. that I, I I just can't even figure out painting to maybe someday, you know. <laughs> right.
0: You'd have, maybe but maybe you um, went really large. Maybe you did very very large scale <laughs> paintings Exactly, they, you could accomplish yeah. that kind of level of detail that satisfies like, you.
1: Start with start with walls, murals, yeah, yeah like and whatnot, murals. You know?
0: Yeah, nothing smaller than a building wall, you know. <laughs> 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 but, uh, yeah.
1: but I had said, so I did the concentration in printmaking, and I I think by the third semester of it, the professor had said, you know, you're a good candidate for the BFA program, and if you wanted to do a double major, you could do your art ed, and you could apply and try and get accepted, and then get another degree in a BFA in printmaking. So I was like, yeah, let's let's go for it. I think that could be interesting. And I got right in and continued to take education classes, get rid of some gen eds, and then constantly I was just... Printmaking, printmaking, printmaking. (laughs) And um, it did get to a point where right near the end of, after about, I don't know, four years of school or so, I was doing art ed, I was doing well in it, and I just, I was working with some of the kids in different classrooms and stuff, and I, I was good at it. And like the professors of the program said you were really good at it, but I just didn't have like the spark for it at the time. Mm -hmm. And I was sitting in like a class of like eight or nine other college students and they were all doing the same thing. They wanted to be a teacher. And like, I was just the way that they were just so like passionate about the entire process of it. And I was very good at it, but I didn't feel like that real passion for it at the time. So I ended up making the probably the craziest decision of my life. And, <laughs> you know, I'm sure my parents will hear this interview and they'll still be like, well, I'm going to kill that kid. But um, <laughs> I basically said, hey, you know what? Let's for, let's not be a teacher and, like, maybe not get health benefits, you know, and let's be a printmaker and get a printmaking <laughs> degree from college. So, you know, that obviously was the first amazingly smart.
0: <laughs> you were four years in?
1: It is almost embarrassing to say that literally the only thing I had left to do for the art education program was your final semester when you go to be an art teacher is just student teaching so okay. basically and it it's like a 13 credit course and you basically go to the college two nights a week to go over the lesson plans and then you just work in a school right like five days a week and your whole entire semester is just and then that's it when it's done like they sign the paper and like you're you're a teacher and um that is literally all that was left.
0: <laughs> so did you have your parents sit down for this? How did you uh kind of oh, yeah. share your decisions? They,
1: <laughs> they were nuts <laughs> they kind of have always come from the line of go to school and get a job in something that like you know, one plus one is two. Right. But like right. I don't even I think if I had, you know, even kind of like eighteen or nineteen and I'm like, Yeah, I'll go to college but I'm gonna get like a communications degree or something i think they would have just been like what does that mean you know but if i said like i'm gonna go and uh be a barber they'd be like okay go to school and then you be a barber oh, or right, go to right. school and you're a teacher and and teaching obviously means like summer's off and, and house benefits and right. like they kind of said okay you'll be all set then so right. this was really out, out, out in out in the wild and crazy for them <laughs> but they were fine with it <laughs> it took a little while but uh they were fine with
0: it. So what did you do at that point when you decided you're going to go full steam in printmaking? So you ended up your degrees in printmaking then?
1: Yeah, I had my BFA in printmaking. So when I finished up with school, I had been working part-time at an art supply store in Providence, Rhode Island, like right in the heart of the city here. And I'd been there for a year or so, and someone had left, and another person had left, so I actually ended up being like a key holder and sort of like an early management kind of a thing. So I was there all all the time. I usually used to work on the weekends, and I I continued to work there for about two years after college, full time at that point. Besides it being like a fun job and a paycheck, and like you know, I work with art supplies. How can you go wrong? You know, probably a um, nice little met,
0: discount too on your on your. Oh eggs. yeah,
1: like awesome <laughs> discount. Like right. it was fun. I mean, I met so many people in the city here, like in Providence. It was like it was like just phenomenal. Like I met like the teachers that taught at like RISD and all the really big colleges because they'd come in with accounts. And then I would meet like professional artists that were, you know, floating around the city because they'd wander in and everything. And thousands of students that would come in like with their syllabus at the beginning of the semester and some would have like no clue and you could help them out. And other ones would be graduating semester at RISD and they would actually chat with you about something they're doing and you'd pick up something from it, you know? And it was just, it was killer. So (laughs) between stocking shelves, it was like, so much fun and so interesting and and as I had started to get a couple of art shows here and there I would have family come I had a lot of friends coming a lot of people that I met coming but people were showing up that were like artists from Providence or you know or professors and stuff and it was nice to have them wander in and look at the work on a wall and then talk with them not in my name tag from the art supply. store, right. you know what I mean? Right. So, they got to see they got
0: to see you in, in your element.
1: And it was just a great thing. <laughs> it was really, really helpful in doing what I did because I actually ended up getting you know, I haven't had a ton of art shows, but I mean, you know, the half dozen or so during those couple of years, you know, one kind of came from another and came from another and a lot of it had to do with people that I that I was getting to know from working right in the middle of like the heart of Rhode Island School Design and the the, the City of Providence and just lots of art and stuff. So it was great. It was a really great experience. From there, I always printed. You know, I always wanted to print. But the biggest issue with printmaking, and I'm sure anyone listening to this interview will know this, is like having a printing press, you know, Mm -hmm. to actually make your work with. (laughs) And when I graduated from college, that's where the printing presses were. The professor and the graduate students every semester, they didn't really mind if few people like myself or people that went through the whole thing and got a printmaking degree, you know, we could go in on the weekends and print or maybe, you know, I could sneak in during like an advanced class and like they're all just kind of doing their thing and I could print for a few hours. And so I kind of would sneak in and, and try and run an edition of a new block or something very infrequently. It was great to have that, but it was also really difficult because if I wanted to start something new tonight and had this great idea and started doing engraving and all of a sudden like you know, six hours in, I'm like, I really wanna see what it looks like right now.
0: It right. may have been
1: like two weeks before I could have gotten over to the to the college and gotten in just to like pull a proof of it, you know.
0: Which really does stall the process dramatically. It
1: really can. Yeah. It wicked can, yeah. And I mean you could do I could pull one by hand and it would be a little soft and I might not get a knack for it. But I've always been very obsessed with like super clean, super crisp, nice dark blacks and everything. So oh, yeah. I always needed to print on a press. Like I have never had much luck doing like any kind of an addition or anything by hand. So yes, yeah, so that was probably obstacle number one or two there not, not having full access to a press for, and I didn't for a while, I'd say about a year and a half ago, let maybe get two years ago was when my wife and I kind of had the discussion and it was like, you know what, let's just do it. You know, we'll do it right now. We're going to try it out. See how it goes. Cause you get to that point in your life where you're like, sometimes it's just like, you don't know, what's going to come next or, you know, what's going to happen and stuff. So we were in a comfortable enough situation with our lives, everything we were doing. And we had just moved into a house, a unfinished basement with lots of room and everything. And we just, you know, after a couple of really long discussions and stuff, it was sort of like, okay, you know what, let's just do it, you know. And um, we went for it. And I bought a small printing press. (laughs) (laughs) And um, my my dad and my brother-in-law and I spent what should have been like three or four days and ended up actually like a month and a half Kind of taking a quarter of the basement, like a whole section of the basement, sort of making a print shop out of it, like putting walls up and a ceiling up, just making it actually not a you know this dungeon that it was. Yeah, well, <laughs> so that's nice. want to be on
0: That's great. So, yeah,
1: so I mean, I had a space, I had a press, and I just started like going full speed ahead. I, I I left my job.
0: Was it the art store job?
1: No, actually, it's funny because after the art store job, oh, it, and tell it, me the know, name
0: of the art store.
1: Oh, it was Utrecht, Utrecht. Oh, yeah, okay,
0: okay, the chain. Yeah,
1: which I okay. guess has recently just turned into Blick, so I guess I'm still friendly with the guys over there, and Blick, I think, partnered with them, and now Blick took over and stuff. After the art store, my next move was sort of a, you know, I was still printing on it was more of as a hobby at that point. It was, you know, this is about five years ago now, from now, and um, it was kind of like, all right, let's, I was, you know, getting ready to get married and, like, all this stuff. And it was kind of like, okay, I've got a college degree. Let's go, like, get a career job. Let's start somewhere, you know, from the bottom. And, you know, it doesn't have to be anything crazy, you know, but it's just got to be a job. It's got to pay, and it's got to have a 401k and all that other stuff that you start thinking about when you're in your, like, early 30s and you're getting settled down and, you are starting to make some big plans for life. So I ended up actually becoming a pharmacy technician (laughs) with some schooling for that really like a couple of months and was certified. And then instead of working in a store, like working at like a CVS behind the counter, like filling pills all day and stuff. In Rhode Island, like, which, Rhode Island, by the way, if some of you don't know, is so small. Like, we have these, obviously the smallest state, but <laughs> right. literally, like, you can go from one end to the other in, like, something like 45 minutes. So everywhere I mention right now, I mean, it's just like, you know, I could I be there in 20, but by the time the interview's over. You know, so quick. <laughs> But I'm sidetracking here, but you do get goofed up growing up here and living here because then someone says, like, oh, you know, let's go to Boston. It's... 45 minutes from here and you go, oh man, you know, but <laughs> I got friends live in Texas and like, I think the grocery store is 45 minutes and you know, <laughs> right. it's still bananas, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah, you grew but, up in the middle uh, of in the center of the universe. It's really hard to address. Ex- yeah.
1: Exactly. <laughs> so, but, so anyway, you know, because I'm in Rhode Island, CVS Pharmacy, their main headquarters, all of it is actually in Woonsocket, Rhode Island, which is okay. like maybe 20 minutes in a different direction, but you know, not too far away. And I had had a few friends that from that class I was taking to be a pharmacy tech that ended up getting a job up at the corporate offices, but being a pharmacy technician. So not to get into it, but it was more like a phone job and like helping people with their medicines over the phone. But for me, it was kind of like a corporate gig. So instead of running around in retail, I could actually like sit down and you know, maybe have like some nicer clothes on and like take a coffee break and like actually start getting paid and getting raises. And right. I was like, oh, this is great. You know, this is this is what we need to do at this age and at this time. And it seems okay and all that. And I was there for a couple of years and it started to restructure and start to change a lot of everything around. And I just, it just started not working for me. And I was just starting to get really down and like kind of really miserable all those years before, whether I was working a job or, or not or in between or whatever, I always had printmaking, drawing, and I was always creating and stuff, at least on the side or on the right. weekends. Or maybe once a year, I'd have a show and have a few new pieces in it. And this the, little, the probably the third year or so, I was a, a, in the corporate job. I mean, I was just really getting run down and kind of miserable. And I, was, I found I wasn't making any art. The hours were terrible and stuff. And it really, it just had really kind of put me in a rough spot. You know, I kind right. of really sunk low my wife and I think that's the point where we got to talking a lot, you know, the usual goofy laughing me that you're hearing actually right now, right. you know, I was just, I was really miserable like all the time, even on weekends and stuff. And it was crummy. And, you know, as much as you want to go out, I think to myself, like, I oh, got a dumb job. Just go get your paycheck and we out on the weekends. Like it was totally, completely like just, everything and I couldn't get my head around it. It kinda of came to a head where it was like I just can't do this anymore. Right. You know? Yeah. I think I wanted out of that particular position and company so much that it was just sort of like I talked to my wife, I said, you know, I think I'm gonna leave you, I'm gonna get some notice and I'm gonna just get out of there. We kinda of said, Well, you know, big. this was maybe a couple of years ago and I said, There's no big deal, I'll get out of there. I could pick up a temp job or something and maybe we can really get cooking with the press and see how it goes and stuff. So you know that was the plan I left the big corporate job and it started hitting the 10th agencies started hitting the ground like putting in some applications to places for something part time and like no one was biting like nothing like grocery stores like retail like wow. you mean that there were just
0: And that's, to that's be kind of surprising nothing. too when when and you have a degree you know so yeah. that's yeah that's yeah and that's something that, that we don't expect that if you go and you get the degree and you do everything what people tell you you should do get a degree, yes. you know, then, so know. <laughs> how long did it take you to find something?
1: Well, that was the thing. So I was kind of like hitting the pavement, you know, in the mornings and stuff, and then went to 50 little places and I would spend a couple of days trying to call them back or email the people if I happened to met anyone, All that usual junk, but while those couple of weeks and weeks and weeks were going by, I was really starting to plan out what was going to go on with the printmaking
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the press and all that. And then, like I, my wife and I kind of made the decision, let's do it. I had ordered my press from a company in Michigan, which I think you know about now,
0: now I do, but go ahead and go and <laughs> go ahead. we'll get to that part in a little bit. Tell the folks at home where you ordered your press from.
1: I ordered my press from Conrad Machine Company, who make a very mean, very awesome little etching press. my great grandkids will probably be playing around with it. Yeah, no, they're they
0: are, yeah, they're built. They're <laughs> like a beast. Yeah, they're um awesome. The battle yeah, thing. and they <laughs> When you order a press from Conrad, you it takes about 4 months cuz they build it just for you. You know, so yeah. you, so you is that when you started the, renovating the basement a little bit during that waiting time?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think I ordered it in like January or maybe beginning of February. And I'm literally thinking like I'm going to talk on the phone with them. and I know that everything's custom-made. But I assumed, like, it was a warehouse where, like, if you ordered the, you know, the Model E-15, then right. they kind of took your order, and then they grabbed the roller, they grabbed the bed, they grabbed it. I figured it would take, like, a month to have it sent out. And I didn't realize they're, like, machining every right. nut and bolt. <laughs> right. So, when the, you know, at the end of the class, I, think I talked to Tom Conrad. I, I have a feeling there's, like, 10 people that work. I'm, like, talking to the owner or the owner's son or whoever, you know, very nice guy and stuff. And at the end, he's like, all right, well, it's going to be about five months. You should be looking at, like... I think it was, like, May or June. Yeah. And I wish, I wish, I wish there was a picture of my face because I'm like, that's fantastic. But, ah, you know?
0: Yeah. No, I did the same thing. And I I was like, you mean um, four weeks? And he goes, no, that'll be four months. And I'm like, uh, okay. And, and I waited to save up money. So I was ready, yeah. like, to pull the trigger, like, right then. I was like, all right, cash on demand. We got this thing. And no, I.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh-
0: so what did you do <laughs> then? Because you're ready, you know, you're pounding the pavement. You're ready to start this thing, but you need yeah. the press. So what did you do for five yeah. months?
1: So it's like we need the press. So we, it's, we're we sitting here, it's February, and I think it was my birthday. So I think I had just turned like 34, or something like that. And we're, we're sitting here and we're like, all right, well, we've got four months. So let's make a, you know, going to make a game plan. I'm going to figure out like how to start a business four months from now. So when it comes, like, you know, you put it together, you know, you turn the lights on down there, and you just start going with it. I started doing that, and it's funny because, you know, I bought an etching press from Conrad, and it's a brand-new press and stuff, but my thoughts entirely from the beginning were to have, like, a letterpress business, sort of more of the printmaking jargon. I think we'll get into that a little later, but a lot of the letterpress printing presses aren't made anymore, brand new. No. So you kind of have to go out and find, like, a 50 or 60-year, Hundred-year-old one, and it either has to be restored or it's going to cost you a fortune. So I had always used the etching press, and I knew the ins and outs of it. So I said, I can print relief on it, I can print letterpress on it. So I'm just going to jump and go, you know, instead mm-hmm. of starting a year-long hunt for like a you know in an antique shop for like a you know letterpress. I said I can do that in the future as it gets cooking. So so we ordered mm-hmm. the press, and I start kind of planning out things, and like I you know I did so much research, like I learned about making the polymer plates that you do better press with and how to process the artwork. And I started coming up with designs, but again, like, you know, obviously no, no money's coming in or anything. So, right. um, and, and it was like, this is one of these things now where like, it was just like all the stars aligned. And as soon as we kind of said, all right, I've been looking for a job for two months and there's nothing out there. I ordered the press. It was like, all right, you got four months, like start That's up the business plan and then we'll get cooking in like June or whatever. And then I just started getting, like, a lot of commissions and stuff. Like, I had people, I mean, it could have been someone who wanted, like, a drawing of their family or a dog, and then, like, the next day I had, you know, someone who had, like, a punk rock record label in Rhode Island that was like, hey, we're doing um, albums, could you do the jackets? And I don't know, like, how it happened. It was like I was on a TV show, but almost every week I was contacted by a friend or a friend of a friend or someone I just barely met years ago,
2: and it was just
1: All these projects lined up, and it was enough to kind of for me to bring some money in and not just do nothing financially. And um, again, I, I'll never know to the end of my life or whatever, how that happened, but it was really good luck, you know? That's awesome.
0: That's really awesome. <laughs> it
1: was really great. It wasn't tons of money, but I mean, even just, you know, a couple hundred bucks here or there was very, very helpful in that waiting period.
0: It probably made you feel too that you were heading in the right direction.
1: It was. It was like this, <laughs> this like, killer motivator because you're waiting for this press to come and you're so nervous you're going to start a printing business and everything and... But in the meantime, you're literally like, you know, working with your hands, being creative. And it was great. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't ask for more.
0: Did you feel like you were starting to kind of come alive again, too?
1: Absolutely. Like, I was totally back. And I think I was even more just invigorated because even that, you should go back, you know, years now when I was in college and I was finishing up and, I was like, I'm a printmaker, I'm a printmaker. But, you know, I, I mean, I'm a realist, too. I I knew that really didn't mean anything as far as like a warehouse industry job. So you're a professional printmaker anymore, you know. But I started getting really excited because I said, you know, I'm actually going to be able to do something with this make maker company and then maybe even a career out of it. And I kept in touch with my professors from printmaking and a lot of the students that were graduate students. And, you know, they all kind of said that they're like, it's wonderful because they said, you know, usually the route for printmaking and a lot of art is, you know, you get your degree, you might go to grad school and get your masters and then maybe you try to teach and work on the side or you maybe you try to lecture or something. But they said there aren't a lot of places where you can, you know, say, I'm a printmaker and right. just get your paycheck and all that. Right. Stuff. It's tricky. Um, but uh yeah. So you know, and then the four months really did fly by. Uh I'd say like yeah, there was a month of that was when we kinda of started putting the shop together in the basement and building walls and getting things kind of organized and stuff. And it went by quick. And then, of course, the, one of the funniest parts of all of this, I mean, the time, I don't know, if I've ever write a book about my life. It's kind of like one of these crazy things. But like, I have the job. I'm miserable. I quit the job. We buy a printing press. It's coming later than we thought. I'm not bringing any money in. I'm drawing people's pets for cash. And then <laughs> guess what? We're having a baby. <laughs> I just, I can't even tell you. It was so funny, like it was just it, it, that was it, that was the timing. It was just like, you know, so and my wife and I are like super realist, you know, like we're we're definitely not like just like flighty like whatever, you know. And it was just like it was just like, Oh my god, totally bananas you know.
0: So that wasn't that on not, when you looked at your business plan, the baby was not on the plan at that exact moment. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I <laughs> mean, you know, it kind of was because we, you know, we were planning and having one and stuff, but like, it's just like, it was like one of those like, and we are definitely having one now, you know, <laughs> it's no longer an abstract thought, like one of these months or one of these years. Right? Right. So that became a motivator too, because it's like, I can say you, know, so. it, you know, whereas like, you know, if you're hanging out and you're married and, you know, you, you're financially, you're stable and one of you decides to start a business, you might be able to go Oh let's give it like two years or three years and if right, you know nothing happens, right. let's figure something else out. And I think as soon as that happened it was gonna be like, all right, I think the deadline to see if this is gonna work is gonna be a lot quicker than just like, <laughs> right. oh let's see what happens this Christmas and then let's see what happens next Christmas. <laughs> right. and you selling Christmas cards, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it, you know, it was great too though. It was wonderful because the whole you know, you, you know, the whole nine months my wife was pregnant, I was home. You know, I got to be home for the pregnancy and help out and everything, which is just wonderful. It's, it's something I you know, wish everybody would be able oh, to yeah. do. Oh, yeah. That is really turkeys, nice. You know, and, and it's funny. I mean, we have pictures of us building the print shop and my wife's down there with her little baby belly and she's hammering and nail and, you know, <laughs> and hamming it up for the camera so we can show the kids someday, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, what mom so, and dad built while they were a uh, bun in the oven. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs>
1: So then the press came in June or July, and it was just like off and running. I had a you know we had like a little open house barbecue that summer, so I got to let a press the invitations and kind of get everybody over here that we knew to kind of let them know that. I mean everybody always kind of you know a lot of my friends are musicians, and it's easy because it's like such and such is in a band. The name of his band is this. We see his band there, you know, right. and it. it it's easy, because he's the drummer, he's the bassist, and most of everyone I know, family even included, and a lot of my friends kind of said, oh, Eric did art in college, and he does a printing art thingy, and he makes little <laughs> engraving drawing thingies, and it's fine that no one knows it. I mean, I'll explain it once, I even let people try it out, and then if the next time I overhear someone go, and he makes these little ink drawing thingies of octopuses and stuff, they're really cool. I just am kind of like, that's what I do. <laughs> I'm not going to explain 18th century wood engraving to uh, all these people. It's, it's, I'm not going to be that guy that drives them nuts.
0: <laughs> right, going on and on, and they're like, yeah, we don't really care. Exactly.
1: So I was always like the arty guy. So I said, we kind of got to get everybody to realize that, like, we're starting, like, a business that's based on creativity and art so that it's right. not just sort of silly or whatever. And and we did. Everybody really got into it and everything. And from when the press came until – like Christmas time or whatever, like that whole rest of that year, it was busy. I mean, like, getting get ready to have a baby and running around and doing all this stuff. So I still had a lot of commissions coming in, which was quick money. Can you draw this? This is the amount it needs to be a week. So I couldn't pass up anything like that. And it, But it started taking up a good chunk of the time. And then I would print a little here and there. And mostly I was doing like what I was doing years before. I would do a new engraving, but then I would actually be able to like print the edition and right you know get it up for sale and, and get some interest in it and stuff but um as far as like that traditional like letterpress you know, company that does wedding invitations and has like a whole line of greeting cards and stuff like we we wanted it and i wanted it and i was like dying for it but it just wasn't happening right away cause just so much stuff was going on you know <laughs> Right.
0: oh yeah
1: we had our son at the um in december and then we got home and, you know, things settled down after a little bit and everything. And then it was like, all right, get back in the basement, you know, get back in the print shop. The goal for this year was just to really get big as far as, like, getting product out and getting, like, the business side of it had to get addressed this year, I think, because the creative side's always been there, you know? Right, right. Like, I love making stuff but and having fun and, like, you know, but we had to start thinking about business.
0: I have the same problem. I'll stay up all night trying to make something, but I suddenly feel really tired when it's time to get the receipts out and do the taxes
1: it makes you say to yourself like all right well next year i want to make like 20 times as much money as i just hire someone to
0: do well seriously (laughs) i mean yeah i mean it's ridiculous now i didn't ask you your son's name what is your son's name
1: um it's art
0: it's his name is art yep okay so you named him after your passion art um yeah we did
1: (laughs) kind of do you have an
0: art in your family
1: No, we don't. No, we just really like the name.
0: It's a nice name. I like it.
1: One of the things about me, and I've always been this way, I I don't like the word artist. Like if my grandmother says, you know, oh, that's my grandson Eric, he's an artist. I go, that's kind of cute. The word, I don't like it. I I don't know what it is about it. And I've always kind of considered what I do more of, like I'm a craftsperson or I love that I'm a printmaker because that's its own Term, so I Mm -hmm. could say, well, you know, oh, you know, what do you? I'm a printmaker. I have to say, like, I'm an artist. Gotten business cards from like creative people that says, like, you know, Tom Smith artist you know <laughs> like, well, okay Tom I'll give you a call when I need some art like, I, I don't know and I'm not making fun of anyone but like, it's never been my deal
0: <laughs> so it sounds like for you you really wanted to be a little more approachable you weren't trying to create this barrier between you and the people that you were trying to make things for
1: I've always kind of been like a, a helpful person and I'd say like in our in college and art school it was a state college I mean the, the art program there is great and I used to tell the, all the students that would come in the art store I worked at, like, you know, we'd have all these students going to RISD, you know, paying all this tuition. And, like, you know, they kind of walk in and go, you know, art school, art school, art school. And then we'd have people that popped in that were going to Rhode Island College. They'd give me their syllabus so I could find them charcoal and all the stuff I need. they kind of be like, I'm just going to Rhode Island College. And I had to tell them, like, hey, you really get out of it what you put into it.
2: Mm-hmm. I mean,
1: RISD, for, you brought know, in all the tuition and, and everything. You are going to have phenomenal lecturers and teachers and really great connections and you're going to get really good stuff out of it but at the same time like you can go to Rhode Island College and you can float and you can get C's and you can get your degree and then you can just be off or you can really put your head down and just really kick ass and mm-hmm. you know the true. professors realize it and you know I mean that's something with art anyone that's either doing art education even for a teacher or just any of the art programs and stuff I think it's tough maybe at 17 or 18 after high school to like put your head down in college and get really into it. I mean, I went to college a little bit later on. So I think I was a little more focused anyway, because it was like I was paying for it.
2: And
1: it's hard. And I think you really get out of school. You put into it. I'm sure there are people that are just going to like a simple community college and use very you know modest equipment. And as long as they are just motivated and they are super into like learning and learning outside of the class and just constantly staying interested in their, in their subject they're working on, like you can go anywhere with it. I think, you know, the whole field, especially printmaking, but painting and all of it, up too. I mean, I think all of it is totally accessible, and I think you can get really big. And you get really big and you you learn a lot of stuff, and um, I think the school is a great foundation for it, but, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be, like, top-of-the-line Everything.
0: The money you save on your tuition, if you go to a community college or a state school that's less expensive, you actually have money to buy a press after you graduate, where exactly, you, you may or not. Travel. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I see what you're saying. So getting back to your discomfort with the term artist and the fact that yeah. you named your son Art. Um, how how did you arrive at that? Oh, uh... uh,
1: It's it's just one of those wacky things where like, you know, again, I've never, I don't like the word art. I don't use it a lot and everything. And then, you know, you sit around at night and you're about to have a baby and you think about names and this and that and everything. And just out of nowhere, like that name popped up with a couple other ones. And my wife and I just loved it. It was one of those things that we I just, just liked it. We agreed on it a lot. And I don't think at first, I don't know why there was no connection to like, I make art. Everyone says I make art. Now we have a kidney mark, you know. <laughs> <laughs> for some reason, it was just—it was just sort of this, like, what a wonderful name, and I think we like it. And let's stick it in our heads for a bit. And it's it's what we ended up going with, and it's a lot of fun. And of course now I can make the corniest joke of all time if I ever have a gallery show or anything. <laughs> and when they get to go like you know, uh, uh, you know what you know what's you know, the best piece of art you've ever made? Can, what's <laughs> your favorite piece of art you've ever worked on? You know while they're looking at this little black and white you know octopus that's in a frame on the wall, and I can go, oh my son, <laughs> and we'll just we'll just rip up laughing, and then oh my hopefully gosh. they'll buy the print that they're looking
0: oh yeah, at. That- <laughs> That will be no. I think you're gonna get the last laugh on on this whole art uh, an artist you know That's debate. True. And how old is Art now?
1: He is almost one. I mean, he was born right around Christmas, so oh, okay. he's so um he's, okay. like eight months. Yeah, so okay. we're, we're getting ready for that.
0: <laughs> well, congrats to you but, and your wife. That's wonderful. Thank
1: you. Thanks. Um, and it's nice too because like because I'm working from home and I'm doing the business, you know, I get to be around my family a lot more. Sometimes it outweighs being able to say, like, I make prints for a living and I'm so happy with being creative and stuff. Like, I think a real big half of it almost is how nice it is to watch him, like, every little thing he does that's new, whether he's, like, looking around or sitting up straight or, like, you know, whatever. There's, like, a light switch at the top of the basement and if the light flicks down there, I'll I'll pop up and go, what's going on? And she'll go, you
0: know, you gotta see this. And it's great. (laughs) Does your wife work?
1: She does sales for a company and she has an office from home too.
0: So it sounds like things have started to really fall into place for you.
1: I would have a lot of trouble telling someone that would ask, what should I do or whatever. I think I'd have a lot of trouble telling them like, okay, quit your corporate job.
0: (laughs) They'd be like, this man on Instagram is crazy. (laughs) Yeah,
1: quit your corporate job, even though you're married and you just bought a house with a caveat that, you know, you're probably going to get a tenth job next week. Don't worry about it. And then when you don't get a 10th job. Just you know, spend a couple thousand dollars on a press, and then have a baby. Besides <laughs> having a baby, and then hopefully someone will ask you to draw some pictures of their family and friends, and <laughs> someone will want some record covers screen printed for their okay. for their new band. And you know, it would work out just fine. <laughs> it's, it's pretty. It's pretty crazy. I, I mean, you know.
0: <laughs> when did you actually start? The month and the year. I usually
1: go by like July first because the press came early June, and I think just by the time it got set up and we got cooking and we had a couple projects on it. It was one of those funny things where it was kind of hard to say, like, hey, my print shop's open because I was kind of technically, especially in the beginning, kind of working out of a basement. when
0: well, you're kind trying of just to figure out how the machine works and all the ins and outs of it a little bit, kind of, too. Yeah, just like yeah. the
1: finesse and the techier printmaking stuff. It was fun because, you know, I basically I bought an acid press, which, you know, was a bed and a big roller and you put something into it with paper and it squeezes the paper on it and that's, sort of the end result but you know I've always used one at school and everything but it was fun to say okay I'm gonna have a letterpress business this machine that's really not made for it and I kind of have to figure out a lot of little tricks to printing all the stuff I want to print on this kind of machine you know what I mean It, it was a little bit of a disconnect at first and so I was just constantly learning new things and figuring things out and YouTube and Googling things and I was in so many forums which I did pick up a lot of knowledge that wasn't necessarily sort of the the basics from college or even the basics from printmaking books. It was sort of like new little tricks and new little things that work. I usually tend to have a really bad memory in life in general, but for some reason with all the printmaking junk, like it just completely sticks. So I'm on Instagram and I fart around and like the printmaking hashtag and somebody has a print of something really cool and I comment on it, that's really awesome, you know, and they'll write back, oh, thanks so much, you know, and like we might start chatting a little bit and like... Sometimes they'll have a question about something or they'll ask me, like, you know, oh, how did you get that thing, that print to print so clean everything? And I just let it go. Like, they can have whatever tips and tricks that are in my head, like anything that helps anyone make a more successful piece or printmaking or anything. Like I'm totally cool with it, you know.
0: Because the thing is you have that natural instinct to share and troubleshoot right. and help people figure out a little more about what they're trying to do. I mean, I bought a print from you and I got a giant care package of welcome to printmaking <laughs> and uh, paper well, samples, was, like, all kinds psyched. of stuff. <laughs> and I was just like, wow, this guy It's almost ridiculous how nice and helpful he is, <laughs> you know?
1: <laughs> well, I don't do it for everybody with the care packages, but I was so psyched that you were getting oppressed and that you were getting into it. And we just, you and I just kind of like six sentences and forth over a couple of days on Instagram. But I was just like, it's so awesome to see someone like, getting into printmaking and they wanted to know more about it and like you were just diving in you're getting a press and I'm like this is phenomenal and I mean for me it's like I did some of that and it is scary and crazy but it worked out for me well enough and I like to think that if anybody else is going to try and jump in and do anything like that like like yes go ahead and be scared I mean obviously but like you know if there's anything I can help reassure about it.
0: What has Instagram done for you as far as expand your community. The Instagram thing's
1: phenomenally. I mean, I've, you know, I mean, I've been on Facebook forever and stuff, and I, I kind of feel like that's obviously fading pretty quick now with everyone. But, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I've had a Facebook page for my printmaking even way before like the, the letterpress sort of aspects of it, just for like my engravings and some of the, of the you know the more arty kind of stuff for galleries, I've always had sort of a a Facebook page for you know like it or whatever, and and you know, all my friends did, and some of their friends did and stuff. So that's why you get a little community. And you know if you, if you go back two or three years ago, you know if you put in there, I have a gallery show. It's October first, a couple months from now. You know, like, I mean, back then when Facebook was like really, really huge, you'd get like seven or eight people that would be, quote, attending the thing, and then you'd go to the opening, and I mean, all these people would be there, and they would have brought their roommate, and it was like, crap, you know, all I had to do was go online, and there's 200 people farting around looking at my artwork, and you know, it makes the <laughs> gallery owner's ears perk up, and then they're immediately like, we have a group show in three months, we want you in it, you know, I and mean, it, it, being online just was nothing but help. Again, the Facebook thing kind of I don't think it's as great as it ever you know, was used to see I think things get old left for a while. And I never really got into Twitter. I'm a pretty funny guy, but I think I would get sick of listening to myself say things all the time. <laughs> like, oh, wow, what's for dinner? Hey, my wife just cooked dinner, you know. it's a, It gets a little old for me. But what's funny about Instagram is when I started it, and it was years ago, I did it like everyone else, the free version of Instagram, which cost like $3. So I jumped <laughs> on Instagram because I wanted to make the cool Polaroid photos with the cool filters. Right? And I had pictures of all kinds of junk on there. They're still on there if you scroll down to the bottom. But at some point, and I think it was around when I was working at the corporate job, I started doing a little drawing. It was like this little month or two where I got like, I was so kind of sick of work that I got this little like creative like pulse and I just started doing drawings. I was doing like really tight like pen and ink drawings of like just animals, skulls, like interesting stuff that I kind of liked. And then I would post one on my Instagram. I finally figured out what hashtagging was. So I would kind of hashtag like printmaking and graphic design and I don't know, like bobcat skull, like whatever it was, elephants, whatever they were. <laughs> right. And it's, like, over the course of that month, because I was doing it every couple of days or so, like, I would, you know, go from, like, my 10 friends liking it to, like, a few more people, a few more people. And I was, it like, was really fun. And I get, you get a little buzz because you post a, you know, a drawing and maybe at the end of the end of the night, like 60 people liked it. And you go, ah, oh, all these new people, you know, checking out my artwork. And um, so in my head, I kind of said, this is kind of, this could be kind of a neat tool. And then over the last couple of years, it has. It's funny to talk about it, but yeah, it has kind of become a, a bigger, almost a part of my business. I like going on there, and I, you know, I've kind of figured out the unspoken rules where you don't want to post like twenty things a day, and you don't want to drive people crazy, and right. you also don't want to post something and then ignore the thing for two months. There's like that balance, you know.
2: <laughs> right.
1: But um, I, I like posting something new. I usually talk about it a little bit, like I'll say what it is and whatnot, and then over time, just more and more people have found it and been interested in it and kind of followed along and asked questions, and I do have my phone on me all the time. I usually spend about an hour at night, you know, fooling around on Instagram for the most part when, like, there's some terrible TV show on, (laughs) but um, I try to answer anything people will ask, so it's sometimes funny. My wife will laugh. She'll be like, you posted a picture of, I don't know, like, you know, the Miles Davis print, and you have, like... 65 people comment on it. And the the first comment was like, is this a woodcut? What are you using? So I write back, oh, hi, how you doing? This is this, this is that, this is how I make it. And like 10 comments down with somebody like, this is this a woodcut? What are you using? You know? And I can't <laughs> not, I like can't not write them back. I can't even like at this person to be like, the previous comment. i like, that's such <laughs> like a jerk move. So I, there are, if you go through, there are prints that are more popular that like, I say the same thing I'm like six times. It's funny too, like my wife laughs that she has an Instagram It's like a private Instagram. Like her 20 friends are on it, you know. She'll laugh sometimes because she'll be on one of my pages and she'll tell me some crazy thing where like, I mean, the last 20 things i posted the last month are like little black and white prints. Everything's printmaking, printmaking three. And someone will just comment on one of them and be like, Is this a painting, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and like she has actually gone in and like commented next and been like you know hey this is you know this is printmaking buddy kind of a thing you know. <laughs> like, like,
0: does she identify herself as your wife or does she just just no, post as a random no. person? Oh, that's she hilarious. Knows,
1: <laughs> which is really funny because I don't know where you just got this little person that I don't know this little name that's like it's a print buddy, you I- <laughs> know. Who knows who that was? I'm not telling anybody. (laughs) No, I think
0: that's hilarious. I've asked some questions. I've made a huge life decision to get a press based on what I've seen on the speed. I really need to just support his art. Like, I would never go up to an art show. I wouldn't go into your booth and ask you, like, 30 questions about your technique and your tools and then be like, hey. yeah, have a good show, man. See you around. Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. just like leave. I'd I be like, no, I I need to buy something here.
1: I think there's totally two parts to that. I think the first part is like, maybe that is that teacher bug sneaking back up because I actually would be happy, you know, answering the 30 questions for like 100 people in a row and, you know, not really selling anything. And that's it's sort of just the way I am. But then the other half of it is like, that's part of like kind of what you asked before, like how did Instagram, like how is it besides the community? like it has held my business, because right, right. you know, I mean, I've, I've sold prints to people in France and you know Australia and all these places, and it's like, you know, I'll, I'll go, I just sold this one in Australia. I don't know how on earth I ever would have met anyone in the middle of Australia in my entire life, and it's right. like because of this little funny thing on my phone. So I connected with somebody, and they went, "Oh my god, I absolutely love Booker Irving. He was this, you know, jazz musician in the '50s. Nobody knows anything about him. He had like three albums, and you have a print of him. I have to have this, and it's like cool." And I ran him back, and I'm like, instead of being like thank you for your purchase, I'm like, "Oh my god, a Booker Irving fan! I'm probably gonna send you another print too because like we have something in common. Like yeah. it's just what I do. I have I kind of have fun with it, but." You know, I mean, I do like connecting with people more than any of it,
0: you know. All right. We're going to take a little break here and come back very soon with part two of this interview. In the meantime, I'm going to post Eric's social media contact information online so you can check out his website, Etsy shop, Facebook and Instagram feeds. I hope that you're enjoying just hearing how one artist has been able to build a business around the thing he really likes to do most. I also want to take a moment to just thank the people who have stepped forward to support the show through my Patreon page. Thank you very much. It's good to know that there are people who value this and want to help it continue. So many thanks to you. I really appreciate it. I'm always looking for people who are interested in being featured or have a friend or there's someone in the art and craft world that you want to hear about. By all means, suggest those people and I will do my best to track them down. So have a lovely week. Don't forget to check out the links to Eric's website so you can see his cool prints. I'll be back before you know it with part two of Eric's story. In the meantime, Craft Sanity, my friends, it works for me. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Craft Sanity Podcast. To support the show, click the Patreon link at CraftSanity.com to donate $1 a month or buy a handmade loom or magazine at CraftSanity.etsy.com.